This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Dr. Barbara Glenn, CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NASDA's Dr. Barb Glenn, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The COVID-19 pandemic has wrecked havoc on nearly every facet of the U.S. food supply system, and the State Departments of Agriculture have found themselves on the front lines of nearly every battle. Dr. Barbara Glenn says NASDA members are dedicated, determined, and weathering the storm. Well, rural communities certainly have suffered in the recent times. We started out with the unprecedented impacts on the downturn in the farm economy. We had the tariffs issue, weather disasters impacting our farmers and ranchers. And then uh, the most unprecedented experience occurred and COVID-19 hit. So at this point in time, states are, as you just said, weathering the impacts of COVID-19. I think that's a good term to use, and we're going to be resilient. State Departments of Ag and our commissioners, secretaries, and directors are very keen on leading through the response and now the recovery from COVID-19 to try and close this opportunity gap that has been in existence. And so they are still challenged. Uh, We are not out of the woods. Uh, We appreciate the economic relief efforts of Congress and USDA and those new programs that have initiated to support farmers, ranchers, and rural communities, but we know there are still many unmet needs. What are some of the challenges, though, that State Departments of Agriculture are mentioning now? As soon as the COVID-19 novel coronavirus hit, we, we did two things as State Departments of Ag. Number one, we needed to continue what we do best, and that's uh, serve agriculture through many regulatory platforms that are uh, sent down to us from the federal government. And so that includes food safety, animal health, plant health, you know, pesticide regulation, um, all crop inputs, fertilizer. So we continued business as usual as best we could while we were social distancing and working from home. And we've been successful in doing that. The second thing, though, we had to pivot immediately and form new partnerships, partnerships that expanded well beyond our strong role with the federal government. And so the commissioners, secretaries, and directors have creatively uh, acted quickly to solve the immediate needs that, that were coming forward. We had that strong food supply chain, but as soon as the shift began to occur from food service and restaurants to basically home food consumption, there were a lot of new things that were impacting the food supply chain. So State Departments of Ag are really working and focused now and and have had solutions for several aspects, everything from keeping workers and food safe to 
local and regional food systems. We've been very active in trying to support and expand food processing and distribution and a number of other things, including supporting ag workforce development and providing tools to address farmer stress. So all of these things were um, immediate needs and required those robust new partnerships that we've uh, formed creatively to, to impact new programs. So, again, from your perspective, how prepared are states to continue to handle the disruption from whatever normal is uh, for a continued challenge with this COVID pandemic? Well, uh, states are trying to be as prepared as possible, and I guess to that end, um, I would share with you that uh, NASDA members adopted just in February um, a call to action uh, that was pointed to the presidential campaigns, but it was for resilience in rural America. And there we were really trying to build on um, the strong state and federal partnerships that we have in communicating and coordinating and taking action. But we called on the federal government to partner with us in a renewed commitment to developing resilient rural communities. And so you ask how prepared are we for the future well, today, um, NASA is announcing that we're re-energizing our efforts to impact resilience for rural America. And that call to action is basically emphasizing that our rural communities are at this critical juncture and farmers and ranchers are indeed at a critical juncture, but we are prepared to act. Majority Leader McConnell suggested there could be a rollout of the Senate's plan, Senator Hoven has suggested that he would expect to see a plan in place perhaps by the 1st of August. As you look across the the country and you look at the various commodity groups and those that have been impacted, are there particular areas that you're hopeful that the State Departments of Agriculture are hopeful are going to see some help? Well, absolutely. Real resilience requires a, a financial investment, and NASA's very active in supporting the Farming Support to States Act. This is a bipartisan, bicameral bill that will provide $1 billion in aid directly to states, but including state departments of ag and all our stakeholders and allies. Uh, we, we feel like this is critical to meet those unique needs, that some of which we may not even know exist yet, but to meet those needs of the state's farmers ranchers and others in the food supply chain during this COVID-19 recovery. We are on the Hill uh, as well, and we're hopeful that the Phase 4 uh, package for corona relief will include some model with respect to bringing these resources directly to the state. We are the ones who have been triaging the situation, and we know where the needs are, and we know that if we work together at that state and local level, that this would be a huge investment and is necessary to meet those needs in our rural communities. A number of states are working on expanding their own meat processing capabilities. I know there's the discussion of the Ramp Up Act and and certainly there would be benefit there, not only for expanding the processing, but maybe the ability to market. One of the areas that showed that challenge to the strong food supply chain, of course, is the meat processing step and how we move our, our livestock through to animal protein. So expansion of food processing and distribution is a huge area of concern for our members, and we've been responding to that, providing resources that allow for investments in local processing infrastructure. And indeed, um, NASA members have been very keen 
to find solutions for the meat processing uh, sector in their states. And so we're interested in trying to attract uh, new opportunities in that regard. We supported the Ramp Up Act, and uh, we we have a um, meat processing working group that's been meeting and uh, liaising with uh, our stakeholders and allies in this space as well as uh, on the Hill. So this is something that isn't going to go away, I don't believe. We need to be sure and meet that market need, meet the consumer's need for the for those foods that they would like to see uh, produced locally. And so um, State Departments of Ag are already thinking about that. It's one thing for those processors that are taking care of farmers and customers in their own state, but some would like to be able to see the opportunity for them to be able to sell across state lines. Well, there is a program uh, offered by the FSIS that allows for that to happen. And so at this point in time, we're investing a lot of time and discussion with FSIS leadership to understand how our State Departments of Ag can actually um, be engaged in that so that they can, yes, move products across state lines. And so I think we've got about five states that currently are doing that. So that's going to be a priority um, for us in the future, I think, as well, so that we can continue to feed hungry people even if they're not in our state. What about worker protection? Well, absolutely. NASA has continuously set our top priorities to keep workers safe, and it started with our own State Department of Ag employees. Um, But we have advocated for enhanced access to PPE for the food and agriculture critical infrastructure. Uh, We're advocating for that COVID-19 testing for all of our essential workers, our food heroes, And this is inclusive of farm workers in the fields and all the way through to those food workers in the grocery stores. So this has been um, an area that we have continued to work closely within a state with our State Department of Public Health and other emergency management operation groups in the state agencies so that we can make smart decisions and make impactful actions to help worker safety because the the bottom line is we have to keep the workers safe so that we can keep our food processing facilities open. So that's been a priority all the way along. And recently, some of the CARES Act funding allocated by governors in states has gone to um, programs that are geared toward farm worker protection. So really important issue. So from a House perspective, it looks as though their next plan for COVID assistance is much more generous than what the Senate will be, although we're yet at the time of our conversation to see the the overall price tag of the Senate plan. One element that Majority Leader McConnell has suggested as a must is liability protection. Is that important to NASDAQ? Well, we're certainly keeping our eye on the need for liability protection for the critical infrastructure workers. I think it's an important aspect to maintaining the food supply chain, and it needs to be taken into account. And we're watching that on the Hill. We're not talking about that openly, but in the food and ag system that our commissioners and secretaries and directors lead, it's certainly a critical aspect to maintaining resilience in rural America. So we're going, to, we're going to be watching that closely. And I know there's a lot of uh, allies in the food and beverage industry working toward that priority. I'll take a pause from Congress for just a moment, and let's concentrate on the Department of Agriculture. How do you evaluate the USDA's response? And what are things that you would like to see from the USDA even before the end of the year? 
Well, we're certainly very positively predisposed to the responses of the USDA, Secretary Purdue, and the entire team of leadership and um, beyond at the Department of Agriculture have been open, they've been receptive, they've been accessible. Because we are in a close state and federal partnership, our members have worked very closely with Secretary Purdue and others at USDA to make sure we've adopted uh, smart changes and flexibilities in trying to keep that food supply chain. There was nimbleness and there was openness to, to make change that was smart and that allowed us to move food to the hungry and to consumers. So real uh, strong appreciation for that state and federal partnership with our USDA. I think basically what we'd like to see going forward is continued adoption of what we learned that was flexible and improve the efficiency of the regulatory process. I think we need to join up together and say we're going to keep those good steps. Um, no reason to go back to the old way of doing business. And so we're looking for that under our uh, call to action for resilience for rural America and to expand on that for trade and, and broadband and and the workforce development function and, and also the investment in climate resiliency. There are budget hawks who would say we cannot afford in this circumstance and situation that we're in that we can't afford to spend money on infrastructure. Uh, or others would might suggest that we can't afford not to. Infrastructure, how important to NASDA? Infrastructure is a priority for State Departments of Agriculture. I mean, it can be basically a foundational lifeblood to uh, a robust state agricultural program and sector. We have this squarely on our minds. We move forward into the, the new administration. We start there with the need for robust rural broadband across all um, states in the in the nation. But there's a whole host of issues that our members regionally face and challenges that they face, whether it's on land, sea, or in the air. This is something that we have to be serious about and begin a stronger investment. Senate Agriculture Committee taking action, a hearing on Senator Stabenow's plan of the Growing Climate Solutions Act. Farmers might be rewarded for farming practices that uh, would be verified of sequestering carbon in the soil. What encourages you about this plan, and is it something that you see uh, viable for farmers to participate in? Well, first of all, uh, climate resiliency really is indeed a nonpartisan issue, and we don't look at it uh, with a political lens. Um, NASA, in our annual meeting in 2019, we passed a robust policy supporting various aspects of climate resiliency, including voluntary incentive-based climate smart agriculture programs. We also want to encourage collaboration between states and the federal government and providing farmers with those resources to adopt those best practices and including research and metrics, all leading to uh, the possibility of providing credit to farmers and ranchers for the practices that they have been using and, and will continue to use. So we're urging Congress to pass legislation to enact and fund a, a voluntary incentive-based climate smart agricultural program, whether it's in the Farm Bill or another vehicle. We know Senator Stabenow introduced this bill that uh, falls right in line with our thinking, and uh, we think this is is the right thing to do for agriculture. I mean, we indeed uh, 
have provided huge and immense uh, improvements in environmental quality through the various tools and technologies that our farmers adopt. We're rapid adopters, so it would be wise to um, assure that farmers get credit for doing this. Pesticide regulations have been a challenge from the state and from the federal level. A federal label that says this product can be used on particular dates has been challenged by states. And then there's the litigation process that has stepped in. What is the direction that we take to finally have a standard that is consistent that all farmers can read a label and stand by a label and, more importantly, know what tools are available for them through a growing season? Obviously, our members are very keen on enhancing crop production and and basically crop health in their state and using the seeds and traits that we have now and the crop inputs that we have. We are uh, on on a path to be able to feed the hungry, even with our challenges to 2050. So pesticides, crop protection tools are very critical to uh, the agricultural enterprise, and we support the FIFRA-based regulatory process out of the US EPA. It's a science-based process. It's robust, and it does indeed result in that label, and the label is the law. So uh, across the NASDA membership, we're, we're supportive of, of all of those uh, steps that bring these tools to the farmer. Uh, at this time, we really can't afford to lose tools out of the toolbox, so we are concerned about some of the challenges that appear from a local level, and I think it's important that we just all recognize that the U.S. EPA and this science-based process uh, leaves no stone unturned. It's a high-quality, rigorous evaluation, and it's our job then in the states to assure that farmers and ranchers are using those products according to the label. And so in between all of that, the, the end goal is to keep those crop protection tools available for agriculture. I have to believe that you and the agriculture industry are encouraged now to finally have USMCA done, although there is still some consternation over particular issues. Glad to see the Phase 1 agreement between the U.S. and China and the Chinese stepping up purchases of U.S. commodities as late. As a blanket statement, what is your recommendation to this and to the next administration? Well, agricultural trade internationally is a key to the advancement of food security for all, not only domestically in the U.S., but also globally. Therefore, we have to keep opening new markets. We're extremely excited about the promise to implement USMCA. Uh, We're tracking and um, very positive about the Phase 1 China Agreement the Phase 1 Japan Agreement. We think all the other potential free trade agreements that the U.S. government is working on are critical to the future. I think in a general statement, we've got to continue to open markets. And the end goal there is food security for all. What needs to be done for hemp? Well, it's a twofold answer for the hemp industry. First, hemp is an is an outstanding candidate to diversify a farming operation. It can be another... Uh, opportunity to inc- improve the the economy of uh, an individual farm and an entire industry sector. So we work closely with the USDA on the state regulatory plans. That's number job number one for us is to to have our states have an approved uh, regulatory plan and then to implement that. 
Uh, secondly, though, hemp growers need markets. So we're looking for economic development opportunities for processing, growing those markets in, in every state. Uh, we're also working with the U.S. FDA with respect to one of the leading value-added products from hemp, which would be CBD, and we need a clear and concise pathway there for the regulation of those products. So it's a great opportunity, but a lot of questions and unknowns. In terms of change, what are the pieces that need to fall in place? The first thing on our plate right now is we're looking at a um, deadline of October 30th, which was set into the Farm Bill, by which all our states had to have a state plan approved by USDA. And that that deadline is looming. Um, it's going to be very difficult for all of our states to, to meet that deadline. So we're working closely with Capitol Hill and in discussions with USDA to try to change that one date so that we can continue to steward what we need to do. First of all, again, have an approved state plan for the hemp industry in your state, and number two, try to build those new processing and marketing opportunities. Well, Barb Glenn, agriculture is strong in our nation because of the strength of our National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. So many people working so hard on behalf of U.S. farmers, and we appreciate your effort in leading the group. We thank you for your time today and being a guest here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic. You have the last word. Well, thank you so much to AgriPulse for uh, allowing NASDAQ to speak today. Our members are the leading authorities in their state departments of ag who support and protect the agriculture communities in the states. We've been acting quickly and creatively to solve the challenges of the day, but we know we're going to be needing some more resources. So uh, with our united front, our call to action on resilience for rural America, and our state support for resources, the Farming Support to States Act on Capitol Hill, we think that we can be a catalyst for change in agriculture and rural communities. And we know that long-term recovery is going to remove that rural opportunity gap and uh, fill it up with a lot of just downright opportunities for farmers and ranchers. Our thanks to Dr. Barb Glenn, CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.